0: We needed Pope Francis to wake up out of our stupor. We needed Pope Francis to come along and say, surprise guys, Spirit of Vatican II is alive and well, and it's not what you thought it was, or even worse than you thought it was. We needed a Pope who really was the personification incarnation of modernism. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that I think it was a good thing that God gave us Pope Francis as far as the traditional Catholic world is concerned, and why, in a sense, I think that we actually deserved him. Now, before I continue, first, I'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, Queen of Victory Rosaries. Queen of Victory Rosaries is a uh, independently owned business. The woman who owns this, you can contact her. You can see her contact right there. Um, She makes these rosaries by hand. They are handmade. Um, I own, uh, two of them myself. They're wonderful. Uh, I use them to pray pretty much every day. Most of the time I'm using these ones. The thing I love about them is that they are durable, but at the same time, not cumbersome. So you can have the sort of sleek little rosary in your pocket, but at the same time, it has a durability that it's not going to break with general wear and tear. Um, it's not cumbersome, like a rugged rosary, which I do have, but those things can be a little bit, well, cumbersome, like I've said. You can get seven sorrows chaplets. You can get 15 decade rosaries. I actually have one that looks a lot like this where uh, she made it custom and um, why well, it's not loading there, made it custom. And each decade actually has the birthday, the birth dates of my five children. So five of the decades have that. And um It's a pretty cool thing. You can actually send it back to her and she'll end up making another one with the new baby that's on the way. I don't know if we'll fill all 15 decades, but it's pretty cool to know that it's sort of as many as you can send in. Also, should be noted that uh, she will uh, repair any rosary that is broken by general wear and tear. And if you don't like using Etsy, I, I know some people, they don't like Amazon. They don't like these places. I get that. You can just contact her through the link on the Etsy website and she can deal with you in a different way. So thank you to Queen of Victory Rosaries. Last sponsor or last announcement is the Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference. Click the link in the description box for this video or podcast where you can find out how to attend this conference. It's the only traditional Catholic men's conference in North America. Uh, there are men's conferences, but not traditional Catholic men's conferences. Father Michel Rion is the keynote speaker. Myself and Tim Flanders will also be giving talks. There will be other priests giving talks as well. There's all day confessions. We start the day with mass, buffet lunch, cocktail hour, speakers all day. The night before, we actually have a meet and greet um, as you arrive in from out of town for a local pub um, where we're going to have fish and chips or whatever and and, and some pints and some, some, some fellowship and fraternity amongst good Catholic men. There will be cigars provided for the attendees of the conference, which is kind of nice. And it's just a great, wonderful day where you get together with like-minded men who are on the same page as you are when it comes to the church. So check out the link in the description for that $100 Canadian. That's like... American or $75, that's nothing. I mean, you spend that taking your wife out for dinner. Uh, So so give it a shot. All right. We deserve this crisis or this papacy of Pope Francis, and I'm going to explain to you why. Well, I'm new to tradition in the sense of history. I'm 35 years old. I started going to the Latin Mass in 2018, discovered the Society of St. Pius X, late 2017, kind of read my way into that. And of course, now here I am. It's kind of my thing. But I didn't grow up in this. So when I came into tradition from sort of the, and I didn't actually grow up practicing Catholicism either. That was something that happened in my mid-20s, even though I was baptized. And from there, kind of went on that trajectory of conservative, charismatic, Catholic, charismatic renewal settings to, uh, I went through the Opus Dei thing for a bit and I found myself in tradition. And along the way, you go through various stages. You come to see certain things, believe certain things, hear certain things, and, you know, you go from, oh, I'm a, you know, uh, sort of diocesan, Latin math, attending, Latin math? Latin math, attending Catholic. Uh, That's really great, but I'm still a big fan of John Paul II. Maybe I'll do the Divine Mercy thing. Um, You know, I'll go to the Nova Sordo if there's no problem, to, hmm, I really don't want to go to the Nova Sordo anymore. Maybe I'll try to find a fraternity parish or whatever, to... Yeah, Archbishop Lefebvre was a saint. I mean, there's these kind of trajectories that you go through um, where you get to the point where you discover Catholic tradition in its fullness, and it's something that you come to embrace with all your heart, and you find yourself in a completely different world. So as part of this journey, though, you do have to consider a lot of factors. You have to consider sort of the crisis that you're in in the church. You got to consider the different popes that we've had. You've got to look at history and make decisions about men like Archbishop Lefebvre, Pope Benedict, Paul VI, John Paul II, and now Pope Francis. And you get to a point where, I guess, your preconceptions, your hypotheses, your beliefs about the men who are who are guiding the Church, whether they be bishops or 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 in the universal sense being popes, you get to the point where you realize that you're kind of at loggerheads with certain realities, and 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 at a certain point. You just have to come to terms with the fact that the crisis is so deep and the men that you thought might be heroes, although they might've done some good, might not necessarily be as heroic as you thought they were. And I'll explain what I mean. I'm going to try to do it delicately because I'm not here to just beat up on anybody. I have a book. I should have opened it up for this, but it's right looking right up in front of me at my bookshelf. I'm one of the only, I think I might be the only Catholic podcaster that doesn't have a bookshelf in his background, by the way, (laughs) if you, you can't tell it's a green screen, um, But in this book, The Great Facade by Chris Farrar and Tom Woods, there's a, a, a passage talking about in 1986, John Paul II called in his inner circle of cardinals and asked them, did Paul VI ever abrogate, cancel, restrict the traditional Latin mass legally? And eight out of nine, including Cardinal Ratzinger, said, no, he did not. That's extremely important. And here's why. The entire suppression of the Society of St. Pius X, the entire persecution of Archbishop Lefebvre was based on the fact that he would continue saying the traditional Mass and not say the new Mass, which John Paul II himself facilitated much of that suppression and knew that it was a legal fiction that Archbishop Lefebvre should have even been suppressed in the first place because there was no legal suppression of the traditional Latin Mass. But John Paul II didn't do anything about it. He could have... He could have snapped his fingers and said, you know what? This whole thing that Paul VI did was built on sand. There should have never been any suppression of the traditional mass. There never was. There should have never been any suppression of the SSPX because if you actually look into it, you can find this in my book, by the way, SSPX, the defense. If you actually look into it, it was based on the pretenses that um, the traditional mass was forbidden. And that was a lie. And Pope Benedict knew that too, which is why eventually he reversed it. But John Paul II never did. He could have done it, but he never did. So anyway, by the time we get to Pope Benedict, we have what Chris Farrar in his book, The Great Facade, calls the Benedictine respite. What is this? Well, during Pope Benedict's time, definitely things were better. The traditional Latin mass was Freed, even though it was never actually legally suppressed. Um, anyway, it's impossible to suppress a right of the church that is apostolic. That's a whole other conversation. Read read uh, Doctor Kwasniewski's book, Once and Future Woman, Right, for more information on that. And recently, Father Ripperger did talk about it with Taylor Marshall, and has a new book out that he I think he talks about that. But nonetheless, Pope Benedict, for the external appearances, said Latin Mass, you can be free. But did he really? did in a sense. Summorum Pontificum was interesting, but Summorum Pontificum was not an infallible document and it's been swept away. And Summorum Pontificum itself contained kind of neo-modernist dubious statements in it. For example, at one line, you can read this, there's people love to point to Summorum Pontificum where Pope Benedict says, what former generations held to be sacred, we have to hold to be sacred. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and where he talked about the Latin mass never being abrogated, but then immediately after he talks about how you have to accept in principle, the Nova Sordo, uh, and the, the traditional Latin mass sort of as two, two sides of the coin as, as of true Roman rites, And if you don't do that, you don't enjoy full communion. So if you don't accept in principle, the Nova Sordo, then you're not in full communion. That means a lot of traditional priests are not in full communion. A lot of priests, the fraternity and Institute of Christ the King, Institute of the Good Shepherd a lot of diocesan priests who have found themselves in a place where they no longer say the new mass they're not in full communion according to Pope Benedict but that, that's an absurd logic the novus ordo is not a roman rite it's not part of the church's apost- apostolicity it's a fabrication you don't have to accept fabrications and again this isn't just my opinion read dr kwasniewski's book once in future roman rite published by tan not by some rad trad schismatic publisher tan is pretty conservative Pretty traditional in many ways, but also kind of middle of the road with some things. I'm happy they published my book, Terror of Demons, but they're not Angelus Press. I'm not going to pretend they are. But during this time under Pope Benedict, there was this impression that everything was going to be fine. Everything was going to be fine. The SSPX is not in schism under Pope Benedict. There's no excommunications. Everything was going to be just okay, wasn't it? And then came Pope Francis. And granted, first three or four years, pretty crazy, but some interesting, thing hap- interesting things happened as well. I mean, Pope, Benedict, Pope Francis is extending faculties to the society. By the way, the priests of the society never needed faculties for confession in a general sense because canon law is very clear that anyone can approach any priest, even if, even if he's suspended, uh, for any sacrament, for any just cause which includes uh, just action of governance, which is in reference to confession uh, because it's, a, it's an act of a tribunal of the church. Nonetheless, that was a really good thing that Pope Francis did for the general appearance of the SSPX. On the other hand, it did actually, in some ways, it, it, again, it, it contributed to this false sense of things getting better. It contributed to this false sense of well, you need permission to say the traditional mass. Well, you need permission to go to confession to a traditional priest. These are not true. You don't need permission to say the traditional mass. I'm not talking about general faculties of a priest not being suspended. That's different. What I mean is, you don't, if you are a priest in good standing, you don't need permission to say liturgy that Catholic priests say. You don't have to accept a non-Roman rite to be a Roman Rite priest. You can accept that it exists, but you don't have to accept it as your own. And this mentality under Pope Benedict was, things are just going to be okay. And then comes along Pope Francis, and it's very clear things are not going to be okay. And under Pope Benedict, I think there was this false sense of security. And I I think it gave a lot of people rose-colored glasses about a lot of the things that Pope Benedict said and did. And listen, Pope Benedict was way more clear than Pope John Paul II in most of what he said, compared to Pope Francis, way more clear. Just go compare the writings of Pope Benedict to the writings of Pius XII, Pius XI. I can't remember which encyclical it was of Pope Benedict's. I was asked to read that and also one of Pope uh, I think it was Quas Primus of Pius 11th Again, I can't remember which one of Pope Benedict. And a friend of mine said, Let's read these both and compare them. So I I read both of them. And yeah, compared to Pope Francis, the one by Pope Benedict was really strong. But then I compared it to what Pope Pope Pius XI wrote, and I was like, Wow, I mean, there's just such a lack of clarity and precision in the traditional sense when you read even what Benedict wrote. And again, compared to Francis really good compared to John Paul II, really clear. But there were difficulties in trying to understand what Pope Benedict was actually trying to say. And we can't deny that he's very inspired by the erroneous philosophies of Georg Hegel and things like that. I mean, these are, these are things that are, are clearly known to be true. My, my point is, things weren't fine under Pope Benedict. And there was this false sense of security that things were going to be okay. But they weren't. And I think a lot of traditionalists got complacent and they thought, hey, crisis in the church is going to go away. This is going to be great. We've got permission to go to say the traditional mass as long as we say pretty, pretty please to our bishop. But again, we don't have to have permission in the first place. And that was the false security. You don't need permission to do things that are your right, normally speaking. You don't need permission to preserve the tradition of the church because no one, even the Pope, has permission to not preserve the tradition of the church. See the difference? So we needed Pope Francis. We needed Pope Francis to wake up out of our stupor. We needed Pope Francis to come along and say, surprise, guys, Spirit of Vatican II is alive and well, and it's not what you thought it was, or even worse than you thought it was. We needed a pope who really was the personification incarnation of modernism. And that's where we are now. Anyway, that's all I got for you today. As always, let me know what you think in the comments. This has been The Kennedy Report. Till next time, God bless.